Welcome to Lunch Break, a special weekly series of the Eternal Entrepreneur that gives you bite-sized pieces of wisdom on how to build a functional faith and business. Each episode unpacks a short, actionable topic you can put into practice this week. Let's get into it. Well, hello and welcome to the Eternal Entrepreneur Podcast. I am your host, Pierce Brantley. It is good to be back. Hello, my friends. I hope you are all well and warm in this Christmas season. I'm so thankful for the last six months. It's been a while since I've had a chance to do an episode on this show. Let me just kind of catch you up. As you know, our dear friend Joe, Joe is still around. His business is booming. He's doing fantastic. He's doing some consulting. I had a son, kid number two, Everett. I love that boy so much. He's a joy to his mother and I. And I've just really enjoyed taking a break and being a dad. But now... We've got some new developments. So I'm excited to talk to you all today about some stuff that my heart has really been burdened on. And when I say burden, it's a joyful kind of burden. Over the last, really over the entire season of The Eternal Entrepreneur, you know, we've done about 100 episodes now. Got to talk to some fantastic business leaders all over the kingdom business movement, the best of the best. And One of the questions that slowly began to kind of bubble up was what really truly is the difference between a kingdom business, a Christ-minded business, a spirit-filled, God-led business, and just a normal business? Is there actually any difference? And this question has quite literally kept me up at night. And I finally feel like I've gotten some clarity on it. And I want to give you this clarity moving into the new year, moving into 2023. As Proverbs says, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's the glory of kings to seek it out. My friend, you are a king, a queen, born into a royal priesthood, seeking out the things of God. And what that means for your business is that there are hidden things that when unlocked, reveal the glory of God to you and allow you to refocus your business in a way that it will allow it to have more impact. And that's what I want to talk to you all about today. And there are actually three different types of Christian businesses, three types, and they are not all equal. They do kind of transition from one to the next. And they are all important because if we're not aware of what phase of kingdom business we are in, what sort of sphere of influence we have, we'll spend the entire career or the entire life cycle of our business wondering why we do not have more impact, why other Christian businesses do more, or why even the world's businesses seem to have more of an effect. And let me tell you, the answers are clear if you can just sort of remove the veil. And that's what we're going to talk about today are the three phases of a Christian business and how you can move from one to the next. And I hope you spend this time to really get serious about what your business looks like in the next year and what kind of impact you could be having if you started to make steps to transition your business in these different ways. Okay, so the three types of Christian businesses are the ethical Christian business, the excellent Christian business and the innovative Christian business. All three types of businesses look completely different from the other types. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't layers of one type in the next. 
But if you're truly living out of one of these three types, you're not going to look like the other two types. And that'll have some interesting sort of implications on it. So I want you to focus in and we're going to go through each type. And I want you to kind of prayerfully pay attention as we go through these and see if you identify your business with one of these types. So the first type is the ethical Christian business. And this is where nearly every single Christian business starts. And this is where almost every single, in my experience, sadly, you're going to find out why sadly, every Christian business stays. But first, let me tell you a story. So about a decade ago, I was working with a kingdom company, really one of the first big kingdom companies that I had the chance to interact with for the first time. And I was absolutely giddy, absolutely giddy because I'd never been part of a, a Christian company that, or any company that was just like, we are just going to put the cross and put Jesus in front of us and every single thing we do. And I thought it was really cool. I never kind of experienced that boldness, but it all kind of came to a head for me when we went to go visit a client. I had just joined the company and someone asked me if I wanted to do a ride along for an account that was in crisis. The Christian or the, the business that we were about to go visit was not a Christian business. So I'm like, sure. Yeah, I'm along for the ride. I need to learn the company. Let's go do this thing. So we get to the parking lot and the person who invited me along said, you know what, Pierce, before we go into this meeting, I'm just going to pray. Do you mind if I pray? And I'm, I'm thinking, this is incredible. I've never seen this before. Yes, please pray for the business. He goes, okay. So they pray for the business and they go, you know, Father, I just ask that you would bless our time. I ask that you would help us resolve the account and help us, you know, get everything back on track for them. Help us show that, you know, we're loving and that we're caring. Help us to do the right thing by our customer. They summed up the prayer nicely. And I was like, man, this is awesome. This is fantastic. So we are about to get out of the car and then they stop me and say, you know what? Pierce, can I pray for our atheist colleague? We had one atheist colleague in the company. And I go, this is amazing. First, we're praying for the business. Now we're praying for the atheist colleague. Come on. Yes, play for our atheist colleague because they were going to be in the meeting too. And they go, I'm not going to leave their name out. But they say, you know, we're just going to pray for our insert atheist colleague. And I pray that you would just reveal Jesus to them in this time. And I pray that you would show them that Christians really do know how to solve problems and that they really do know how to kind of lead by example and that she would just get a revelation of who God is by the time that this meeting is done and how Christians handle business meetings. And they wrap up the prayer nicely. And now again, second time, I am just floored by what it looks like to be a part of a Christian business. We get out of the car and we get our stuff. I'm grabbing my briefcase. We're getting our jackets, get ready to go do this thing. And they stop me for a third time and say, Pierce, you know what? I've just had an epiphany. I think it's a God epiphany. I think it's a revelation. This business is God's business. And we prayed over the whole meeting. We prayed. We've done all of our sort of due diligence. I've decided that I'm just going to leave it all on the line. I'm thinking, yes, leave it all on the line. What, what what does leave it all on the line mean? They say, you know what? 
I've had some really cool stories of like healing in my life. I have a really cool story of how I came to Jesus. I know they are expecting us to solve their advertising issue, their analytics issue. But I think I'm just going to share Jesus with them. And you know what? This is God's business. That's what they said. This is God's business. And if he wants to save the account, this whole thing belongs to him anyway. And I'm thinking, the faith of this person is insane. How in the world did I get to be a part of a company like this? So I'm thinking, all right, go get them. We go into the company and we go to the boardroom. It's actually, if you can almost think like a college classroom, there's like tiers of seats and the board is in there and who's who's in there. C-level people are in there. And for the next 45 minutes, my colleague pours out their heart for Jesus, how they got saved, how different people they knew got healed of different things by the power of Jesus. They talked about different things and ministries they were doing and being a part of. And they poured out and poured out and poured out and poured out. And by the time that their 45 minutes of sort of going over their testimony was done, you could hear a pin drop in the room. It was absolutely quiet. And so they raise their hand and they say, so that's kind of my story. I just wanted to share that with you. Any questions, anything I can kind of answer, unpack for you a little bit more. And one of the, the most senior people in the room and the, on the client side raise their hand and they say, thank you so much for sharing a little bit about your background. I just have one question for you. How are you going to solve our analytics issues? We're getting no tracking between the Google ads that we've got on our website and the conversion rates that you guys promised us. What are we going to do about converting our ads at a higher rate? Because it's just not working for us. And if you could see the look on my colleague's face, it was shock. They were not prepared for that question. And because they were not prepared for that question, within a week's time, we lost the account. My atheist colleague was completely embarrassed. And for some reason, the faith going into the meeting did not actually lend itself to people getting saved or to helping the client solve their problem. God didn't come through for us. Now, my question in this story is where did we go wrong and where we went wrong or where that meeting went wrong is characteristic of, I think where a lot of Christian businesses get stuck. And this is what I call the ethical Christian business. An ethical Christian business is a business that says people we will, will know we are different. Our differentiating factor is the fact that we live by biblical principles we pray before going into meetings. We put everything before the Lord. Uh, we don't hold anything too closely. Do the right thing. Another way of describing the ethical Christian business is what I like to call the good old boy business. And before you get all riled up, I'm from East Texas originally. I'm from the boondocks. I'm from the deep south. I can use that language. <laughs> what I mean by good old boy business is that it's kind of a, have you ever seen business cards or um, uh, small business commercials. And what you see on the business cards or in those commercials or even on like the website copy is kind of language like, we live by the golden rule, or we always do the right thing by our customer, or 
Um, integrity is our highest value. Come, sh- let us show you how we're a little bit different. This type of language is characteristic of what I like to call the ethical Christian business. They are ethical, but they are not impactful. They do live by a set of codes that are biblically based, but unfortunately, and this might come as a surprise to some of our listeners, but the world is catching up to those values. Most, if you anyone's kind of studied the the missional type business, and I don't mean missional from a Christian perspective, I just mean the phenomena of uh, mission-based branding or cause-based branding, especially with this younger generation, you are seeing a move towards actually making kind of a, a package of ethics, the way in which a brand is different, it, to the point where some consumers in some sort of markets are actually expecting ethics to just kind of be part of what comes with the business. And so when you differentiate based off of biblical values, you're not actually differentiating at all. And because of that, your business has no impact. Now, am I saying you shouldn't be an ethical Christian business? Absolutely not. No. If you live by what the Bible says, if you integrate scripture into Everything you do in a meaningful way, good things are going to come from that. We know that. That's that's basic. That's milk, right? However, I would say that most business owners, even those in the world, even those from different religions, even those who have no concept of Christ, if you were to look at their values, and having done tons of branding workshops in the past when I used to do brand strategy, I can tell you for a fact that going into the C-suite, the values that everyone cares about, regardless of whether they're Christians or not, are integrity, honesty, doing the right thing, adding value, going the extra mile. Like this is it. If you were to ask any founder, any C-suite executive, kind of what's important to them, it doesn't matter what the business is. That's important to them. And so, if you think the differentiating factor of a Christian business is the ethics. Unfortunately, you're going to be wrong. And unfortunately, you're not going to have any impact. And I've sort of seen this before talking to some Christian executives. They'll lament, they'll be in a business for, you know, 20, 30 years. They're not planning on selling it. They just, you know, they built it up to a certain degree and say, you know, there are other businesses bigger than us. And there are other businesses, you know, that seem to have grown faster or make more money. And, but I'm just content knowing that we've always done the right thing. And sometimes I wonder why God hasn't grown the business more because we don't do things ethically. But by golly, I'm going to continue to just do what I do. And nothing ever changes. And my heart breaks for this business owner because they're not wrong in their posturing. They've just never realized that living by Christian values is not value to the market. It, it's good and you should do those things. But a differentiating ba- business does not it make. And so they get stuck in that arena. Now, what I'll say is that the ethical Christian business is foundational to the next type of Christian business. So if you have your ethics in place, you can move to the next sort of tier. And it allows you to see a little bit farther into the market, a little bit farther into the potential that your business could have. The excellent Christian business is what's next. So what makes an excellent Christian business? An excellent Christian business is a business that runs its teams really well. It has a really good product or a really good service. It competes and is often beating out the competition. 
But over time, let's say, I don't know, somewhere between seven to 10 years of being in that business, it also starts to hit kind of a, a roof, an invisible roof, and it can't figure out why. And being in meetings with the C-suite and with executives that are in excellent Christian businesses, I see another type of similar conversation. And that conversation looks like this. He goes, you know, we may not be Tesla. We may not be Apple. We may not be, you know, some of these, you know, big companies out there. But we offer a really good product at a really good price, a really good service at a really good price. And we're okay with that. Now, they'll also kind of voice a little bit of frustration as to, you know, why more people don't kind of come to their company and they do go to competitors or they go to some company, you know, out on the West Coast or the East Coast and they can't kind of figure out why because by their standards, which are high standards, they do things really, really well. They hire good talent. They train really well. They've spent time building up some kind of brand or reputation in the community. And when they look at sort of that IP, that sort of intellectual property of the business, they go, we're doing a lot of the right things, but for some reason we've sort of hit a ceiling. Why have we hit a ceiling? And the reason is, believe it or not, are, are, are the things that define the business. So if you're an ethical business that is also operating excellently, let's talk a little bit about what excellence is. So excellence is is meeting a standard. Sometimes, to a degree, it's even defining a standard. But let's talk about like what that would look like with different types of businesses. If you are like a a window washing business, you maybe you triple check your work or use the best you know cleaning products. If you have a car maintenance shop, you background check all your guys, do a certain kind of walk arounds, you clean the cars after you leave. You start to see like a pattern of, of what makes an excellent business. It's kind of this checking all the boxes, right? You should be checking all the boxes in your business. Yes, that makes you excellent. The problem is being excellent does not make you innovative. It makes you the best by the communal standard. So if you look at like the different theories that go into like mature markets, for instance, markets mature when you have enough competition there with enough expectations of the consumer. So when you're being excellent, you're meeting the expectations of the consumer and you're at par with the competition, but you're not doing anything different. You are just doing things to standard. And it can take a long time to do things to standard. And it's incredibly good when you're doing things to standard, but doing things to standard does not disrupt anything. If you're doing things to standard, you might be the very best in your market, but you are not creating new markets. Let's get that really clear. You might be the best in your market, but you are not defining new markets. And this, my friend, leads us to the third type of Christian business. And this is where I wish every single one of my kingdom business colleagues would get to the innovative Christian business. Now you cannot get to be an innovative Christian business unless first you are ethical and also you are excellent. Those two things proceed build upon becoming an innovative Christian business An innovative Christian business is the business that operates by a revelation of the Holy spirit sought out through scripture, found 
by pursuing God in the secret place, looking and pursuing new ways of solving old problems in ways that have never been done before. And most Christian businesses never go that distance. And the way I like to describe this, I've written about this before. Most people, when you talk about solving a business problem, say, well, you just need to build a better mousetrap. And so you go and you build a better mousetrap. And when the consumer goes and looks at the three or five or seven different options for buying mousetraps, they go, that one looks like a better mousetrap. I'm going to buy that one. I like the wood. I like its ability to hold more cheese. I like the spring, you know, whatever. And that becomes kind of the ethos of the Christian business owner is let's just build a better mousetrap and then we'll give God the glory. Most Christian business owners never ask the question, why are there mice to begin with? Like, what is the root cause of the actual problem? Go one step out and then go figure out what that root is. If you don't do that, you're liable to lose your competitive edge over time. You're liable to just become another option. You're liable to only be popular with Christian consumers. That's also a thing that happens. But examples of companies that said, let's not build a better mousetrap. Let's figure out why they're mice to begin with. If you look at, for instance, the railroad industry. At the time, the transcontinental railroad and when railroads came into the U.S., that was a really big deal. For the first time, you could get from one end of the country to the other. Nothing like it had ever been done before. It was innovative. It was revelatory. This was a new age, right? Now, those executives, those guys who built that industry, knew that the airplane was coming, but they discounted it. And they didn't realize that they were not in the rail car, the train industry. They were in the transportation industry. And so while they focused on building better trains, faster trains, trains that could pull more, hold more people, go faster, all that kind of stuff, the airplane industry realized that people are not concerned with bigger trains, faster trains, more comfortable trains. They're concerned with transportation. They're concerned with getting from A to B and having the most flexibility as possible. If they had realized they were in the transportation industry, not the railroad industry, they would have moved or diversified into airplanes, into aerospace. But because they didn't do that, airplanes have largely won the transportation battle. Uh, the same thing is true if you look at, like, for instance, old, old hat. I hate this example, but it's a good example. Uh, Netflix versus Blockbuster. People don't want lower rental fees for video cassettes. People don't want convenience necessarily for um, having, you know, very quick and ac more accessible videos. People don't even necessarily want video selection. What do they want? Uh, they want the ability to chill. Who gives them the ability to chill more than anybody else? Netflix. Why? Because I don't have to move. If I have a smartphone, if I have a TV... Uh, even most cars now, a lot of cars have Netflix. All I have to do is literally decide that I want to watch something. And there's a good dis chance that on this length away from me at any point, I can watch just about whatever I 
want. Uh, the problem was not having more accessible or rather more cheap media choices. The root cause was wanting to relax without having to work. And so for the Christian business that wants to be innovative, we've talked about this before, but revelation always has a wrench attached to it. You guys have heard of me harp on this before. But if you come in and you tell me that God has given you some kind of revelation and you've seen the fourth heaven or you've seen something in the future or you've gotten some kind of ethereal inspiration, I'm going to have a hard time believing you if there's not a wrench that comes with that revelation. It means there's something practical that you can do with it. If it does not move the heart of the believer into repentance, into action, into kingdom building, participating in the things of God, then it's useless. And so I'm going to have a big question mark next to it. However, if the revelation of God allows you to work in repentance, as the Bible says, have good works in keeping with repentance, if it allows you to build something that's never been built before, if it allows you to understand the root cause of problems and bring more life to people, then I think you're on to something. The reason I think most Christian businesses never get into a place of innovation is not necessarily because they aren't willing to. A lot of it really comes down to the same problems that a lot of business owners have, is if you think that your values and your operational excellence, so values and operational excellence, right, are the same thing as ethics and excellence. If you think that your values and your operational excellence are what make your business great, unfortunately, you're wrong. Ethics and operational excellence are barriers to entry for just having a good business. If you don't have those two things in place, your brand's going to struggle. Your impact is going to struggle. Your ability to capture market's going to struggle. However, if you can innovate, especially if you can innovate by spending some time with the Lord and saying, Father, you've given me a burden for this business for X reason. What do you see that I don't? Give me revelation as to how I can better serve people in the name of Jesus by thinking differently, building differently, and operating differently. Then you're going to be on to something. Then you're going to have something really truly special and spectacular and you're going to be able to transcend these invisible ceilings that so many christian businesses get stuck with all right my friends as you go into the new year that's my encouragement my admonishment to you is that you would think about your business through these three sort of lenses these three foundational stages and i was talking to joe about this actually uh, a couple months ago and i don't think necessarily that you can paint in broad strokes, meaning sometimes you will have an ethical business that sort of is excellent in some areas and not excellent in others. Sometimes you'll have an excellent business that has, you know, areas where it can improve its ethics. Sometimes you'll have a business that's trying to do something differently, um, but it, you know, has pockets where it's doing that well and it's pockets that it aren't. Sometimes that's, if you have a big company, especially you have departments even that have their own sort of culture. And so uh, I guess I say all that to say, when you look at your business, look at it honestly, prayerfully, and you might see that there are some areas where you're doing really well. 
with all of this. Maybe you are you are on the third stage of a business where you are actually starting to innovate and, and maybe not. There might be pockets of your business that need improvement, pockets that are doing just fine. So the question is not a full sweep, am I only an ethical business that isn't doing things excellently or so on and so forth. The question is, what are the areas of my business now with this new framework, this new understanding that could be submitted to God and improved upon where, where it makes sense? So that's my admonishment to you. If this teaching has been helpful uh, for you, please let me know. Uh, you can email me at hello at piercebrantley.co. Hello at piercebrantley.co. Also, some exciting news. My fourth book, Not Your Job, Discover the Surprising Way to Save Time, Avoid Burnout, and Do What You Love Forever, is now available everywhere. Amazon bookstores, go get a copy. If you're an entrepreneur, solopreneur, a business owner who is wanting to scale your business but is finding yourself strapped for time, not your job is going to help you reclaim that time, avoid something called the time tax, learn a new way to delegate, and it comes full. I mean, it is full of of tons of free downloads, and there's offer for a course as well, uh, 50% off uh, for those who get the book. Right now, at the time of recording this, the Kindle version of the book is actually just 99 cents on Amazon. It won't be that way forever. We're just doing that for promotional time, probably through end of January 2023, maybe early February. We'll see. But that's just to kind of get it into the hands of as many people as possible to help spread the word. And then uh, the prices are going to jump up, probably be about $14.99, I think is what I think it's going to land on. So go get a copy right now, 99 cents, not your job. And uh, let me know what you think. We also, I also have a new podcast coming out. I'm going to be posting on that much more often now. So if you're used to listening to the Eternal Entrepreneur, I want you to go look up Not Your Job. Not Your Job, same as the book name. And what we're going to start doing, what I'm going to start doing is talking a whole lot more about delegation, scaling a business, learning new ways to manage as an entrepreneur. Uh, One of the things I've learned is that the definition of management as an entrepreneur is a lot different from management as, you know, someone in the C-suite, having been an executive a couple of times over. And this book really unpacks a lot of that. And this podcast is really going to dive deeply into that as well. So I hope you enjoy it. Go check out Not Your Job, the podcast and the book and catch me over there. Until then, continue to think and live eternally. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, do me a favor and leave a quick review. When you do, it helps other entrepreneurs find this content and benefit from it too. See you next week.